Welcome to the second season of Alternative Parenting Podcast, where we learn how to guide our kids to find their own path while supporting them in cultivating traits that will empower them to live a life of fulfillment, meaning, and satisfaction. I'm your host, Efrat Amira. Welcome back. Today I have for you a conversation about meditation and its effects on parenting. Dina Farish shares with us her journey with integrating meditation into her life and how positively it affected her well-being and parenting. Dina Farish shares sameness and sanity so that moms can feel cool, calm and confident without guilt or shame. She's the founder of the Mindful Mom Revolution an online space for mothers to come together and deliberately create community, inspiration, and progress through awareness of their thoughts and inspired actions in their parenting. Dina is a successful online entrepreneur who has found her unique way of sharing how to thrive in motherhood while still creating personal fulfillment, accomplishment, and connection with others. Happily married and a mom of three, Dina loves to share with women how they can become the best versions of themselves while raising the best version of their kids. Using tools like meditation, mindfulness, grit, and charm, Dina has established herself as a strong voice in both the motherhood and online business spaces. When not working or spending quality time with her family, you can find Dina at the gym with her girlfriends or eating ice cream, which she loves and would never ever give up. And now onto the conversation. Hey, Dina, how are you? Good to see you here. I am great. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for coming. Uh, today, we're going to talk to Dina Farish, who is the founder of the Mindful Mom Revolution. And I wanted to ask you at the beginning to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your parenting journey, and about your uh, relationship with mindfulness, how it all became. Such an interesting question. My parenting journey, I think like many of us, was one that I was just kind of thrown into. I had no skills and tools and tricks to learn how to be a good parent. I came from a place of trauma upbringing. So when my children were born and I was thrust into motherhood, it was really a it was really a journey of growth and unraveling for me. Um, and I don't say that lightly. People often ask me how I got into doing this work and sharing and speaking about motherhood and mindfulness. And the truth of the matter is I lost my mind and I needed to intentionally rebuild myself because I was making my home a miserable one. And the reason why I was doing that was because I was struggling and I had no emotional regulation tools. I had no communication skills. And so I was just working off of survival mode and it was impacting my relationship with my husband. It was impacting my relationship with my kids. It was impacting the positive demeanor that I preferred to walk around with. 
And I'll be really honest with you. I'll share my story, which I share often. One day, my oldest two are 18 months apart. And so for me, my most challenging transition was going from one child to two. And I was sitting at home with my babies one day, counting down the seconds until my husband walked into the door because I just needed a break. And so he walks into the door and I'm like, here are the kids. I'm going to the supermarket, right? Like the supermarket is the greatest gift to moms. That's our treat for ourselves. We call that self-care, which is (laughs) hilarious. And my husband looked at me and he said, I'm really sorry. I'm meeting buddy at the gym. And he walked right by me and the kids and he got into the shower and I just felt this immense state of panic. And I remember walking into my backyard, running into my backyard, which I now know I was having a panic attack and just screaming at God and saying, what is going on? You know, why can't I get it together? Why does this suck so much? And God had reminded me about this little practice of meditation, which I had been introduced to about 15, 16 years prior to that. And meditation at the time felt so daunting for me as a mom with two little kids, because I could not wrap my head around having one more thing that I had to do in my life. So in that moment, I I knew I needed to make myself feel successful at this, right? And I knew that all of the masters and the gurus were saying, you have to meditate for 30 minutes a day. And I was like, no way. I've got little babies crawling on me, breastfeeding, needing diaper changes. And so in that moment, when I was outside in my backyard, having a panic attack, speaking to God, <laughs> I said, let me just give this a shot. And I needed to make it digestible and achievable for myself. So in that moment, I promised myself that I would meditate for just five minutes a day, every day for 30 days. And I was just going to see that, see what happened in 30 days. Like, is this worth it? Is it making a positive impact in my life? Do I feel better? And within two weeks, it started to shift, to shift my awareness, it started to shift my life, it started to shift my relationship. And then I just started speaking about it. I just started sharing about it online. And it turns out I wasn't the only mom who was suffering. I wasn't the only mom who was struggling. And I wasn't the only mom who was looking for mindful based ways to feel better in in her life. And so I just started to share about it. And luckily, my community kind of built around that. That's awesome. I'm you're talking about five minute meditation. I'm wondering like what is that five minute meditation? Because meditation can be a lot of things. Like what practically was that and how did it look like? So for me, when I first started, it was heavy exploration, right? So I would listen to a lot of Sharon Salzberg. I would listen to some of the the fathers of of meditation, especially in the West, and I would take in what they were saying, because I was so conflicted with how I was going to spend this time. And because the truth of the matter is, the second I closed my eyes to meditate, my thoughts came flooding in, and I was overwhelmed by emotion, I was overwhelmed by distraction. And so when I first started, I would go back and forth, I would just Google, I would go to YouTube and look up five minute meditations, and I would do guided meditations. However, I would find myself getting annoyed at somebody's voice or what some or what somebody was saying. And the second I felt resistance in that way, mentally, I was out, right? Mentally, I was checked out. I wasn't following along if even for those five minutes. And so for me, I have had a past experience living at an ashram for a bit where I've been able to be trained more formally in meditation. 
So for me, what works best for me is just sitting in my silent meditation. I have, I make it kind of ceremonial. I have a few things that I say in my mind before I get started. And then because I was willing to learn from the John Kabat-Zinn and the Sharon Salzberg, and I was listening to all of these experts share about meditation, I learned what meditation was and what meditation wasn't. And I think when people bring meditation into their lives or when they have the willingness to learn more about it, there's a tremendous misconception about what meditation really is. People think it's just shutting your mind off, which is so far from the truth, right? It's witnessing the thoughts and continuing to bring the focus back to the breath every time you witness the thought. And so when I understood that I could give myself grace for having this influx of thought and influx of motion when I was trying to clear my mind, quote unquote, clear my mind and just meditate. Got it. And how you, how are you even able to um, bring in those five minutes a day with having two little babies with you all the time? Yeah, that's a great question. So this is actually part of the system that I teach, because I think it's very easy to use motherhood as an excuse as to why you cannot. Right. So I was fortunate enough to have dealings with a very, very well known life coaching firm out of Manhattan called the Handel Group. And they teach a method called the Handel Method, which is taught at MIT, it's taught at Stanford, it's taught at these upper echelon schools. And it's basically a system of consequences or repercussions, right? So we all know the things that we have to do or want to do in our lives to feel better, to look better, to have a better relationship. However, we get stuck in this area of comfort. So often it's easier not to do all this, all the things that we say we want to do. The Handel method essentially teaches you that you need to pair what you want to do with some type of repercussion. And this repercussion shouldn't be demeaning, it shouldn't be punitive, but it should sting a little. So for me, when I started meditating, my repercussion, the goal that I set for myself was that I will meditate for five minutes a day every day. And the time I chose then at that point was when my kids went to sleep because we were early risers. And I was like, I'm not waking up at four o'clock in the morning to meditate. So I told myself I'll meditate for five minutes. And if I don't, I can't turn the TV on for the night, which was my go to that was my that was my way of decompressing and relaxing. Right. And so when we pair what we want to do, whether it's a mindfulness practice or journaling or movement with a slight repercussion that might sting a little bit, then we're more willing to show up for ourselves because the toughest thing really in life is, is personal integrity and showing up for ourselves and doing the things that we say we're, we want to do. That's way tougher than meditation. <laughs> yes. Definitely. So you kind of like couple the meditation with something that is happening any day, anyway, in the day that your kids are going to sleep at night, right? And then you you kind of like set a consequence to if you don't, I, I'm not going to do this until I meditate. Did that allow you in time to extend your time of meditation? Or did you did you stay with that five minute meditation for a long time? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I remember, especially in the beginning, and even still now, sometimes five minutes felt like 30 seconds. And sometimes five minutes felt like eight hours. Right. And so in the early days, I would actually set a timer for myself, especially if I wasn't doing a guided meditation, I'd set a timer for myself, so that I knew when I was at the five minutes, because with your eyes closed, how else how else could you have the capacity to understand that? Um, and then eventually, 
I got to the point where I didn't have to set a timer because I learned some tools and tricks to get deeper into my meditation to continuously bring my focus back to my breath. And so now I meditate without a timer and it's anywhere from five to 15 to 20 minutes just based on where I'm able to go for that day and my ability to limit my distractions. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned before that after doing this practice for two weeks, you saw some shift occurring in your parenting. Can you explain what happened and how is it connected or how is it related to the fact that you were meditating? Sure. So I am not a, just my nature. I'm a very aggressive, assertive person, right? I'm a New Jersey girl. I wear big hoop earrings. I curse like a sailor. I, these are all things, part of the makeup for me. And so what I love to share with people is that meditation did not make me a walk on water, dropping flowers type of person. It didn't shift my personality from being more of this type A in your face, Jersey girl to this floating in the sky type of person. That's just never who I am. But what did happen was that I would be washing dishes and I would recognize for a moment that while I was washing dishes, I was thinking about a fight that I had with my mom two weeks ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, right? Or I would be folding laundry and I would recognize that as I was folding laundry, I would be thinking about what a great life my husband has and how nice it is for him that he gets three outfit changes a day while I'm still wearing seven day old sweatpants, right? Doing his laundry. And so the true gift of meditation for me was not becoming a different version of myself, but it was the awareness of my thoughts, right? And the more I started to understand that my thoughts are coupled with an emotion And then when my children have a need or my husband has a need, I'm always going to respond to them from that emotional place within me, right? And so when I started to recognize more of the thoughts that I was having in the mundane moments of motherhood, the easier it was for me to begin to shift slowly to better feeling thoughts or to gratitude instead of saying, oh my gosh, how nice is it for my husband to have three outfit changes a day and do whatever he wants? I started thinking instead, How grateful am I for this partner who gets up and goes to work every single day so that I can be home for my kids? Or how grateful am I for the opportunity to sit and wash my dishes with a roof over my home and heat in my house and my children being fed and healthy and safe, right? And so the true gift of meditation really is that awareness of our thoughts and then the ability to make small gentle shifts to better feeling thoughts so that when people do need me because I'm a mom I have three kids now so we're a family of five I'm I'm in this stage of life where I'm needed all the time but when the people in my life who I care the most about do need me I can respond to them rather than react from them from that emotional place within and how did that how did that affect uh, your day-to-day parenting It made it feel a whole hell of a lot better, Mm. (laughs) right? And I think even just understanding that every thought is coupled with an emotion, it's a chemical reaction in our body that we can't do anything about. But even understanding that I could make small shifts, small internal shifts with my thoughts that could lead to better feeling emotions so that I could be more present, I could be more grateful, I could be more receptive to what motherhood was asking of me in those moments. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it's it's one thing to understand rationally that our thoughts leads 
leads to emotions or lead to a different feeling and then you know leads to us to an action that we take right it's like one thing to understand it rationally but then when you embody that practice of mind of meditation or mindfulness which i hope we're gonna talk about soon um you're kind of embodying those rational understandings into your body and then you can you are able to um, live them in your day-to-day life right yeah you become the you become a different version of yourself one that feels better one that can shift or transition with ease because listen motherhood is always asking you to go through transitions and for me I'm the type of person my first go-to with everything is resistance it just is. I always, I say this about my middle child. It's true about me too. Resistance is my love language, right? And so the many deep, hard transitions that motherhood asked of me were met internally for me with resistance. When I was able to recognize that, when I was able to tune into the thoughts that were bringing their resistance up in my body, I could choose something different. I could choose something different. I could choose gratitude. I could choose looking at my children through the lens of healthy, able-bodied human beings. I could choose looking at my husband as a supportive partner, even though he got to do all the things, right? All the things. (laughs) Go to work every day and provide for us. But yes. But yeah, it's funny the stories that we tell ourselves that keep us so far away from, from the truth. And the truth, the truth for me, and this is just a personal thing, the truth for me always feels better when it's grounded in love and gratitude than when it comes from a place of resistance. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that at the at the end of the day, it just made your life happier, right? It made your life easier. Um, can you give it give us like a concrete example of how? it looks like to respond rather than react to your kids? Sure. This is another example I speak about a lot. When I am when I was in the shower, especially in those early years with my first two kids, I would be in the shower thinking about where we would have to go, what that was asking of me, what I was going to pack in the diaper bag, how many diapers I needed to pull from the closet, how many snacks I needed, what time we needed to walk out the door so I could get everybody ready, what time it was going to take us to get there, what was going to happen when we get there. And so one day I looked at myself in the shower when I recognized this cycle of thought and I said, you're naked right now. (laughs) You're not doing any of these things. You are not grabbing diapers. You're not packing snacks. You're not getting babies in car seats. You're naked in the shower right now. Because prior to that understanding, I would get out of the shower and I was already rushed. Even if we didn't have to rush, I was already rushed because my mind had already taken me to an unachievable to-do list. It put the responsibility and the weight on my shoulders. So I would exit the shower in a tense, in a tense mood, just trying to move things forward. When I remembered that I was in the shower naked and I literally could not do any of those things and thinking that cycle of thought was not helping me achieve any of those things, then I could just be present. I could feel the water on my body. I could take a breath of fresh air. I could look out the window and appreciate the nature in my backyard. And then I would exit the shower, not rushed, knowing that things were going to happen, knowing that, yes, these things were still my responsibility, but I didn't feel the weight of the responsibility. I felt the gratitude for it. And I could ease into doing this much easier than if I was just playing it over and over and over and over in my head. 
Yeah. And when you are playing those thoughts over and over and over in your, in your head, your body is in a stress mode. It's in a stress response. So you're not really able to calm down and relax in the shower and, you know, uh, fill up your cup and recharge your batteries, which is the time to do it. Like when you're taking a shower or you're trying to rest or doing anything. Um, so it's kind of like when you meditated, when you started meditating, um, that way of dealing with thoughts, it weaved in to your day-to-day life while taking a shower, while folding the laundry, um, while driving the car, you know, whatever it is. And that's kind of like mindfulness, right? That's that's the part uh, of the mindfulness about it. Can So for me, I know that it's hard for me to find that. I mean, I, I won't say it's hard for me to find the time because that's an excuse, right? Like to do, to find the time to do meditation. I'm For years, I've been wanting to do it. Like, and I started and I stopped and I started and I stopped. Um, for me, I found that my practice that works for me better is yoga. So that is something that I'm very dedicated to. And I do it every morning when I wake up, even if it's like 10 to 15 minutes, as long as I get that 10, 10 to 15 minutes in the day, I feel like that's my meditation. Um, but I definitely am able to cultivate those practices, those mindful practices in my life. So a lot of times, like when I'm driving the kids and we're driving a lot because my kids are like half time homeschooling, half time going to like this alternative uh, education system. So we're on the road a lot and I take advantage of those opportunities and just remember that I'm, you know, remember to feel my body, um, I like to like feel my hands on the on the steering wheel and feel you know the heat of the seat. I like to like uh, turn on the the heating of uh, of the seat and feel that heat and look out of the window just that those day-to-day um moments where you can practice mindfulness. I think that that's much more kind of accessible to more people. So um what would you say about that? And how do you suggest like people maybe uh, start cultivating that in their life as well? I think yoga is a beautiful mindfulness practice. I mean, the word yoga itself means union. It's the union of the mind's body and the spirit, right? So I'll share with you what I love about meditation is the neuroscience behind it. We didn't speak about this yet. I'm sure you share about this often. We think 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts a day and females were thinking higher than that, right? And studies show that 80 to 90% of those thoughts are on repeat. So by the time we do recognize a thought, which is linked to an emotional state within our body, we've already had that thought. It's already existed in our body countless amount of times, right? And what I love most about meditation is that science has proven over time, it actually shrinks the gray matter in your brain that causes you to react and pounce and act out of resistance and anger. And it expands the gray matter of your brain that helps you to see things with perspective, that helps you to regulate your emotions, and that helps you to be present in the moment. So that alone to me was mind blowing to understand that, that what I was doing, even in just those five minutes a day, and really the studies show that it's a meditative practice of 10 to 15 minutes a day, but for the sake of making it work for the conversation, (laughs) but, but that just 
just kind of blew my mind that what I was already doing for myself every day was actually changing the gray matter of my brain so that I could be more present. I could be more aware. I could have more perspective and more emotional regulation, which were none of the things that I had in my own childhood. Yeah. I think that it's so empowering to know that we can control our minds. Like we have the power to change the way that our mind works, to change our thoughts, to change our reaction, to change our emotions, to change everything. So it's just so empowering to have that knowledge today. Um, and for me, every time that I'm learning something new or everything, every time that I'm learning something that is beneficial for me, the first thing that comes to my mind is, how am I going to teach this to my kids? Because mm -hmm. I don't want them to be 40 <laughs> or 30 and only then uh, know these things and only then start practicing this, these things. So how do you, um, how do we teach children these stuff? Uh, do we need to teach them this at all? Or are they just, I mean, because I feel like kids are just born mindful. <laughs> um, so how do we approach this whole thing with our children? You be the example. Our children are always learning from us, period. I mean, our parents are our children's greatest teachers, right? And so our children are always taking in what we say, but they're looking more so at what we do. So the greatest way to teach your children about meditation or a daily movement practice or mindfulness is to be the example. There are many moments where I will have to tell my kids because we are very early risers in our house. And my meditation practice now, thank goodness, is first thing in the morning. There are many moments where my children are up before me and I have to say to them, mommy needs her time to meditate. And they know what that looks like. They see the meditation cushion on the floor. There are many times where my children are sitting on my lap when I'm meditating or sitting next to me. And so I don't I don't put any requirements on them because I don't want them to form resistance to it, but they understand that this is a normal part of my life. Just as they understand that movement, I'm a big gym rat, is a normal part of my life. And so I articulate both of these things with them, that this is important for me to be the best version for them. And I say it to them just like that. Mommy does better for you and for herself when I get my five to 10 minutes of meditation a day, when I get my daily movement down a day, right? And so I don't force any upon, I don't force any of this upon my children. I just act as the example. And I, and gosh, how cool would it be if I was just thinking out loud, how cool would it be if we had a generation of children who watched their parents meditate or who watched their parents do yoga or who watched their parents exercise? That's all you need. You don't have to impose anything onto your children. You just have to be the example. You have to live in integrity and share with them that you are worthy. You are worthy as an individual of doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah, that's that's a revolution. You know, that right there is a revolution. The mindful mom revolution. Exactly. <laughs> We're connecting to your to your title, which is, yeah, it's it's on point. It's exactly what it is. Um, so other than modeling that, you know, and doing it yourself, do you also share with them like things like your thought processes or limiting beliefs, stuff like that? 
I think it's easier for me. And in my real life, this is, this is the truth, but it's easier for me to share with my children when I'm at capacity. And I only know when I'm at capacity because I have these mindfulness and meditation practices. When I was sharing with you about my early life with my older two and that transition of one to two children, I could not tell you that I was approaching capacity. I was just fine. And then one moment I wasn't and I lost my cool and I lost it emotionally on everybody. Now I can understand I'm approaching a level I can feel inside of my body that I'm approaching a level that does not feel good and might. And, and I might lose control of my ability to be calm in this moment. And so I share with my kids that I can feel this inside of my body. It feels tight right now. My face is feeling red. I'm starting to feel stressed out. Can we all shift? Can we all shift? Or can I walk away for five minutes? And can I just feel the fresh air on my face so that I can come back as the more composed mom that I that, that you deserve right now? Right. And I do same thing. I mean, plenty of parents, we do this uh, in our in our morning drive. We do affirmations. Right. And I don't name it. I just ask my children to repeat after me. But we do daily affirmations where we talk about being the best version of ourselves for the day, where we talk about learning from our mistakes for the day, where we t- where, where my, I have my children say out loud, I am strong. I am smart. I am kind. I am a good friend. Right. So they're learning through living the life that feels most aligned for me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the most um, potent learning. That's the way that we truly learn. We learn through the mind and the body and the heart and everything together. You know, it's 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 the whole experience that makes us really learn and take it into our life and become what it is that you know that we want to be. Um, and I love the that this whole way of living and this whole practice is it takes away the urgency of having to say something right this moment, right? Or having to react or respond right this moment. If if it isn't an emergency, if nobody is going to get seriously injured right now, you can always take a few minutes of break to yourself and, you know, just get back to your calm and to your place of capacity. And I think that's, if people only have that option to take the break or allow the, or, or allow themselves the option, the option to take that break, that in and of itself is going to be life-changing. I completely agree. You know, our reptilian brain, our survival mode doesn't remember that we have permission to walk away. We think we need to deal with the issues as they're happening, right? What does it say about me as a mom or as a parent if I'm not disciplining my children right now or if I'm not hitting the head on if I'm not hitting it head on right now? But the fact of the matter, and you just said it so perfectly, is that you have permission to walk away. As long as everybody is safe, right? You have permission to walk away. If you have the wherewithal to know that you are at your capacity, that you're about to break, you have permission to walk away and collect yourself and to take a deep breath and to feel the air on your face so that you can come back as the mom that you wish to be and the mom that your children deserve. Yeah. And it brings us back to the point of that awareness. So we have to be aware um, where when our capacity is getting more limited and more limited or where we are like walking up to that you know our red zone where we won't be able to respond in the way that that we want to um so 
when you start, I understand that you work with moms, right? In your um in in your own uh, uh work, and when you start like spreading this word, and when you start teaching this to people, how do how can mothers start cultivating this in their lives? It starts with the willingness, right? I I say this internally all the time, and so I'll say it out loud. I choose to only work with women who understand that is that it is their responsibility to bring cool, calm, and connection into their homes. I think the mainstream often likes to blame the children, right? They think there's so there must be something wrong with my my child. Why is my three year old so rambunctious? I'm feeling tense and overwhelmed, but it must be the child's fault. And that's so far from the truth, right? So the willing the women that come into my community really are the women that understands that it is their responsibility to create deep, meaningful connection between their them and their kids. And that that the ownership is on them and not the child's behavior. Yeah. How do you get to a point where you understand that that is your responsibility? You know, for me, it was just being sick and tired of feeling sick and tired all the time, Mm. (laughs) you know, and understanding that it couldn't possibly be my one-year-old and my newborn's responsibility for me to be happy. It couldn't possibly be my husband's responsibility to make me feel peaceful and calm and joy-filled and gratitude in my life. The only person that could infuse more joy and more gratitude in my life is me, right? And so... I can only control what happens within me. I can't control what happens with everybody else. But being able to be in control of myself really is a superpower. Yeah. And it's so, it's such a different mindset from what we are used to because, you know, many of our, um, our, our society teaches us a lot of the times that we are not in control right? Like we don't have agency, we don't have a choice. And it starts with, you know, very young ages when they, you know, kids go to school, they're being told what to do all day from, you know, morning to afternoon. And they're a lot of times being controlled also in their after school activities. So there is a very small amount of agency growing up in our society. And it's kind of like, it's easy to put the blame to put the blame on something else if you're not in control of your life. So I think that it's very hard uh, growing up in a society like that to switch that mindset and to understand that, oh no, I can take control of my life. I have the agency and I have the power to change my life. It's it's really not taken for granted just to just to do that first step, right? Right. That's that willingness, right? That willingness to say, if I feel terrible, my life is going to feel terrible. My relationship with my kids might feel terrible, right? So what can I do to not feel terrible anymore? Yeah. So how how do you kind of raise your kids other than what we talked about, you know, the modeling and the affirmation and, you know, just you living your own, the values that you're trying to convey. How do you give them like permission to have agency and permission to have control over their life so that they will know that they have the power? 
I think that's a great question. I ask them questions and I offer them options, right? So I really believe in giving children options, limited options, because we're here to guide our children, but we are not here to be so authoritative that they are scared that they have to comply, right? I have one very compliant child. My other two are not super compliant human beings. And so for those children, they already at a very young age are asking for the autonomy. Now, the way they're asking for it is not speaking it. They're asking for it by melting down and having tantrums and freaking out if they don't get their way. And so the way I can teach them autonomy, the way I can teach them self-control, the way I can teach them mindfulness is by giving them options, right? I'm such a big believer in natural consequences. Like my middle guy hates wearing a jacket. So he goes to a he goes to a public school and the teacher was forcing him to wear his jacket because he brought one to school. And I had to send her a message and say, if he doesn't wear want to wear a jacket, the worst thing that could happen to him is that he will be cold. Okay, and if he's cold enough times, he may make a different choice or he may not. But at the end of the day, I'm not the one that's cold. He's cold. So give him the option to make the choice for what's best for his body and let him learn the way we all should learn, not by force, not by regulation, not by compliance, but by natural consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's mindfulness, right? Like if you're able to go outside and you feel your body, you feel that you are cold, then you understand you need to take an action. You need to do something. So it comes from within and not from, you know, something that you were told to do from the outside. And it just helps you become much more connected to, to yourself. Right. Yeah. And to just be able to problem solve. There, there, is a, there is something that is uncomfortable for me right now. I have the power to do something about that. What am I going to do? And for little ones, it's simple things such as putting a jacket on. But as we get older, it becomes, you know, more complicated. And I think that if we give them that practice, that just let them practice that in their day-to-day -to -day, to -day life, then they will be able to deal with the bigger stuff as they get older. We have to be more willing to raise human beings that are solution-oriented because our society is so hyper-fixated on the problem or creating the problem, right? That they never teach you to look within for the solution because the solution for one person may not be the solution for another person, right? But if we can raise little human beings who are solution oriented, who feel confident enough to go out there to solve their problems, then their mindset is a growth mindset and not the fixed mindset, hyper, hyper focused on the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. And I feel like your message is so revolutionary, like we said, and so empowering. Um, and just letting people understand it or, or having people understand that they have the power over their lives, whether it's moms, whether it's kids, that is just, you know, that that can make ripple effects on our world. And I, I know it. I know it in my bones. I know it in my soul. So, yeah. Um, so how can people connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do, join your community? I have a, I have a free online Facebook community called the Mindful Mom Revolution, which I love welcoming 
solution-oriented moms into, right? It's not a place of perfection. And I stress that we are real moms who are going, who are willing to do the work on ourselves so that we can create a family life that we deserve and that our children deserve. But it's not about perfection because perfection is a completely unattainable goal. It's about being real. It's about being open. It's about being honest and making small shifts so that we can feel better inside and create a home life that feels better outside. Amazing. Um, Is there any other place that they can follow you, work with you? Absolutely. I am on all social media platforms. You can find me at either the Mindful Mom Revolution or Dina Farish. My website is dinafarish.com, which gives you a few options to work together, to join the communities, to be a part of the revolution we are creating. Because how cool would it be to raise this next generation of kids who got to witness their parents practice mindfulness, practice meditation, and become emotionally resilient human beings. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure to link all those in the in the show notes. So thank you again, Dana. Thank you for having me. I really love this conversation. It really gives me hope and inspiration to start meditating myself regularly. Here are the main takeaways. Number one, Meditation is witnessing the thoughts and bringing yourself back to your breath every time you witness them. It's not about shutting them down. Number two, a good way to integrate meditation in your life is by pairing it with a repercussion that will sting a bit. Then you are more willing to show up for yourself. Number three, meditation helps you recognize your thoughts, what they are, and become aware that your thoughts are coupled with emotions. As you become more aware of your thoughts, you can start to integrate better feeling thoughts so you are able to respond rather than react from a more present, grateful way. Number four, meditation doesn't shift your personality. When you meditate, you become a different version of yourself. Number five, the stories we tell ourselves can be very disconnecting from what is really true. And if we start looking at them, we can become more aware of what they are and start implementing a different story that will make us feel more connected to what truly is. Number six, meditation shrinks the area of your brain that causes you to react and act out of anger and resistance. And it expands the areas that help you see things in perspective, that helps you regulate your emotions and that helps you be more present in the moment. Number seven, our children are always learning from us. They're looking at what we do. If we set an example for them, they will grow to learn that awareness and mindfulness is a normal part of life, part of what living in integrity means. Number eight, our survival mode doesn't know that we can take a few minutes to calm down and walk away. You have permission to walk away as long as everyone is safe. You can connect yourself for a few minutes and return to your kids when you are more able to respond mindfully and be the mother that you want to be and that they deserve. Number nine. It is our responsibility to bring calm, cool, and connection to our families. It never starts from the kids. The ownership is on us, not on the child's behavior. The only person that can infuse more joy and ease in our life is us. Number 10. Being able to be in control of ourselves is a superpower, which is very different from what we learn in our society, which makes us believe that we are not in control and don't have agency. Number 11. 
When we ask our kids questions and offer them options and are not authoritative, they learn autonomy. When we give them options, they learn from life's consequences. Number 11. We have to be willing to raise human beings that are solution-oriented and that look within themselves for answers. Then they cultivate a growth mindset. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode and was inspired to make small shifts in your parenting that will support your kids to bring forth their full potential while living a life of ease and well-being. To support the show, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show. Leaving a comment can be very helpful in promoting the show on the podcast platform. If you think that this can benefit other parents, please share this podcast with them. I invite you also to follow my Instagram account, Alternative Parenting Coach, and join my private Facebook group, Alternative Parenting, where I would love to hear your thoughts about the episode, what you learned, what inspired you, or what you didn't agree with. Your feedback is extremely valuable to me, as we are all in this process together, living, learning, and evolving. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon.